Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. A New Year stunner coming out of Baton Rouge. Walker Howard, the former St. Thomas Moore Cougar, top prospect, top signee of the very first recruiting class by Brian Kelly, reportedly has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Woo! Didn't see that one coming. Thought, if anything... It would have been Nussbus, Garrett Nussmeyer, that would have entered the transfer portal. But Walker Howard reportedly is the one that is heading to the transfer portal. Could he be headed to Fort Worth to join his good friend Jack Besh, who's transferred to TCU? Could he be going elsewhere? Who knows? But a bit of a... (laughs) Stunner yesterday when the news broke. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. Joining me, of course, is Miss Hannah Five Names. We got a great show lined up for you on this wet and humid Thursday morning. We're going to talk a little LSU men's basketball with Sheldon, Sheldon Mickles from The Advocate when he joins us later on today. We'll also talk to Les East, our buddy from CrescentCitySports.com. Off-season moves direction for the New Orleans Saints. Will they get on hard knocks? Will they not? Does anyone want them on hard knocks? I, for one, do not. What about Sean Payton? Three different teams have been granted permission to talk to him to interview him for their vacant head coaching positions. We'll break it all down with less as well. And we'll dive into that news of what those three teams are with you this morning. The Hard Knocks news. We'll also talk a little UL men's basketball and McNeese men's basketball. And some Pelicans. That's all on tap this morning. But we got to start with the Walker Howard news. It's stunning for a couple of different reasons. One, Walker's never had any issues whatsoever of being in a competition. Walker's never had any issue waiting his turn. Remember, he sat at St. Thomas More. Had to wait his turn at STM. When he got his turn, he made the most of it. He was always committed to the Tigers, always. An early commitment, and when they made the coaching change, 
Brian Kelly made it a priority to keep him as the number one target for his first recruiting class. That was something that was a priority because Brian Kelly tried to recruit Walker Howard to come to Notre Dame, and he knew how important he was. So here's a guy, no issue, no diva tendencies, nothing like that. Sat at STM before waiting his turn. Long-time commit to LSU. Stayed committed and signed with LSU despite a coaching change. Oh, by the way, he's a legacy. His father, Jamie, played quarterback at LSU. And he's supposed to be the heir apparent. And yet... Now, reportedly, he's entering the NCAA transfer portal. A kid that always wanted to be a Tiger, grew up rooting for the Tigers, by all intents and purposes, has no diva mentality, doesn't mind competition, all of a sudden is in the transfer portal. Now, is this the world we live in now? Probably Does Jaden Daniels come back? Did that change the dynamic of everything? Because Kelly signed quarterbacks in this last class, right? So there's always going to be competition because when you play at the collegiate level, there's always a guy behind you that wants your job that is probably just as good as you are. And there's always somebody usually in front of you that is the same thing. So... This is going to be the case no matter where you go. But does Jaden Daniels coming back throw a monkey wrench into everything? Because it kind of feels that way. Which is weird to say that the starting quarterback for a team that won 10 games and won a division title is throwing a monkey wrench into things. If Daniels doesn't come back, does Walker Howard transfer out? Probably not. Because then Walker says, hey, it's going to be a competition between me and Nussmeyer, and whoever wins, wins it. Okay. And Walker, even though he was an early enrollee, if you remember, was the third-string quarterback, and rightfully so. He was a true freshman. You got a grad transfer that came in, and you got Nussmeyer who was already there. And he played limited in a handful of games this year. But with Jaden coming back, obviously Jaden's going to be the projected starter. Nussmeyer was the backup. The best case scenario for Walker Howard is what? To maybe compete with Nussmeyer to be the number two? Okay. And then if you're, you know, an injury away from getting in there. So once again, it's curious. It just is. I don't have any inside intel. I really don't. You know, it's not as if he has the opportunity to go pro like Kayshawn Butte did. And there there had been rumblings about Kayshawn for, what, more than a year about him going into the transfer portal. And then he stayed. And then is he going to go pro? No, he decides he commits. No, now he's going to go pro. 
But in less than a month, Jane Daniels announces he's returning. Jack Besh enters the transfer portal. Kayshawn Butte changes his mind the week of the bowl game, decides he's declaring for the draft instead of coming back. And now Walker Howard is headed to the transfer portal. Now, every program in the country is dealing with this. Alabama, Georgia, doesn't matter, Texas A&M, Florida, USC, Oklahoma, Texas, they're all doing it. They're all having to deal with, hey, this kid was here. He was a big-time signee for our recruiting class, and a year later, he's gone. That's the part of the world we live in. But it is surprising, not because he's a Lafayette kid, not because he played at St. Thomas More, but because this is a guy who waited Always liked competition. Lifelong Tiger. Right? Legacy. Dad played for LSU. And he's gone after a year. Like, you know, maybe playing time does matter. I don't know. Walker Howard has not released anything, right? He hasn't said what his reasonings are for doing what he's doing. Why he's he's made the decision to to enter the transfer portal. We haven't got the overly long, overly worded, filled with grammar and spelling mistakes social media post. Not yet, at least. But it is definitely interesting. First one on it was Mike Scarborough who confirmed that Walker Howard intends to enter the NCAA transfer portal. The decision comes after Howard met with LSU staffers on Wednesday morning. Howard participated in one regular season game during the season. That was versus Southern. In the game, he didn't attempt to pass in that appearance. He played a majority of the fourth quarter in the Tigers' Cheez-It Citrus Bowl game versus Purdue in cleanup duty. He was two for four, passing for seven yards. So he only played in two games, which is well below the limit to maintain your red shirt, by the way. And that's the other thing about this. Now with the rules, you can play in four games and still maintain your red shirt status. Right? Four games. And then the bowl game doesn't count now. That was the new rule that got put in place. If Brian Kelly had put Walker Howard in mop-up duty in three other games, is he leaving? Or is he leaving because he wasn't allowed to throw a pass attempt in a route of Southern and only got a couple of pass attempts in the bowl game? It's minor things. It seems like it shouldn't matter, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Now, I'm old school. You know this very well. I'm very much a traditionalist. You know, I remember back in the day when freshmen didn't play at all. (laughs) So it wasn't that long ago. And I remember where you just, you know, you were the backup and you waited your turn. Now, we don't live in that world anymore. 
especially not with the NCAA transfer portal. LSU now has both Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer returning for the spring semester. 2023 signee Ricky Collins out of Woodlawn in Baton Rouge is an early graduate. He will also participate in spring practices. And then they have class of 2024 five-star quarterback Colin Hurley of Jacksonville, Florida's Trinity Christian is committed to the Tigers and will arrive on campus next January. So they'll have three quarterbacks for the spring. It'll be Jaden. It'll be Nussbus. It'll be Ricky Collins there out of Woodlawn. And then they got another big-time recruit in Hurley coming the following season. As it stands right now, but we know kids change their mind. Howard, the six foot one, 195 pound Howard, was a five star quarterback signee in LSU's class of 2022 out of STM. He was rated as the nation's number one dual threat quarterback by ESPN. Walker Howard, reportedly in the transfer portal. Reportedly in the transfer portal. Because if you check his Twitter, It still says quarterback at LSU football. It still has him with his number 15 jersey in Tiger Stadium. There's no long, you know, social media post. And the only activity that he's actually had on there is retweeting Jack Besh's commitment to TCU and retweeting Allie Gay's announcement that he's declaring for the draft. That's it. So nothing as of yet. Sure does feel like TCU is going to be the front runner here. They're an emerging program. His good friend Jack Besh has already transferred there. But this is a guy that was a five-star prospect. This is a guy that was ranked as the number one quarterback in his class. And this is not a knock on TCU. So don't take it that way, Horn Frog friends. But other big boy programs are going to come a-calling. Other big boy programs are going to come a-calling. I, I, I think it's TCU. I just, I think it's TCU. Because he could maybe roll in there and get the job, win the job during spring football or during fall camp and be the starting quarterback for the TCU Horn Frogs who just earlier this week played for the national title. So that feels like the front runner in the Walker Howard sweepstakes. But does Alabama come calling? Does the University of Florida? And, you know, with its head coach, Billy Napier, who's a little bit familiar with STM, Do some of these other big boy programs that have NIL money, do they come a-calling and say, Walker, didn't work out at LSU, but, you know, we'd love to have you with us. Just saying, I believe TCU's probably the front runner here, but, but, don't be surprised if some of these other big boy programs your traditional powers come a-calling as well. Because for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators, their star prospect that they signed 
that deal may fall through because his NIL deal is crumbling. Alabama needs a replacement for Bryce Young. The backup at Alabama is a running quarterback, not a guy that necessarily is great at throwing the football. This is the new world we live in. It's the wild, wild west. We got to take a timeout. We'll dive into more of the Walker Howard reportedly going into the NCAA transfer portal. We'll take your phone calls. Game hotlines open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite quartz and marble in Acadiana. And Chris and his team over at LMG, they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. Look, they earned my business. Looking for quartz for our bathroom remodel, our master bath remodel. Couldn't find the right marble. Couldn't find the right cut. And ran into some places that didn't have great customer service. Thankfully, we found LMG. Not only did we find the marble for our master bathroom renovation, the exact cut my wife wanted, it was done in a timely fashion. Customer service was outstanding. They also offer more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. They also now have an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com, that's lmgelite.com, or stop by their renovated showroom located on I-49 North, across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Walker Howard, former five-star prospect, former number one rated recruit by ESPN, STM Cougar star, has reportedly entered the NCAA transfer portal. Where could he go? Seems like TCU would be the leader in the clubhouse. Two years truly. Close to home, right? Dallas is only like a five-hour drive. His good friend and former STM Cougar teammate, Jack Besh, headed there as well already. Entered the transfer portal and cut, signed and committed to be a Horn Frog. And, you know, TCU's losing their Heisman runner-up quarterback. Opportunity. But, apparently, Walker Howard, despite being a, an LSU legacy player, with his father, Jamie, playing for the Tigers back in the day. He will not be playing at LSU. Now, this is reports coming out by media. Walker Howard himself has not made an announcement. I want to be clear there. Reports are coming out that he's entered the NCAA transfer portal. 
Walker Howard himself has not made any sort of announcement. There's no lengthy social media post that takes you, you know, 10 minutes to read. I just want someone one time, one of these kids, when they enter the transfer portal, I would really just love for them to do a post and say, peace, I'm out. Boom. That just I just want that. I think I would appreciate that more than the lengthy post about how much they love and appreciate everyone that they're leaving. I, I think I would just much rather just prefer, man, I'm out of here. Bye. Done. I'm really hoping someone does it. But it does leave LSU without a quarterback, but you do have Jane Daniels coming back. He decided not to go into the NFL draft. Your starting quarterback from this past season. He's coming back. Garrett Nussmeyer, who got some playing time this past year. He's right now coming back. And you have the young man out of Woodland High School in Baton Rouge, the top quarterback prospect for this last LSU signing class. He's going to be an early enrollee. He'll take part in spring ball as well. So they'll still have three quarterbacks. And they already got a commitment for 2024 as well. Young man out of Florida. Top prospect, four or five star, depending on which ranking service you utilize. So they'll have enough bodies, which you hope now with Walker Howard not there is that Nussmeyer decides to stay. You're going to have real problems if Garrett Nussmeyer decides to transfer out after spring ball. Then you're going to have your veteran and then a true freshman backing him up. But poll question of the day is, with Howard's transfer, what would you have preferred? Would you have preferred that Garrett Nussmeyer and Howard stayed? Would you have preferred that Jane Daniels and Howard stay? Would you have preferred that Daniels and Nuss stay? Or would you have preferred all three stay? I would have preferred all three to stay because I am, once again, a traditionalist. But right now, 44% of you say that you would have preferred if the two quarterbacks entering spring ball would have been Garrett Nussmeyer and Walker Howard. 23% say all three. 22% of you say Daniels and Howard, and 11% of you say Daniels and Nuss staying. Let's get to some comments. Salty Steve says, I believe BK, Brian Kelly, did him a favor. Now he can go to a school who will play him. UL needs a quarterback, and he can stay at home. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Ohio State never let Burrow play, and LSU was glad to have him. Good luck, Walker Howard. There is something to that. And Ralph commented, heard he's going to TCU where he'll be reunited with another former Tiger Cougar, Jack Besh. I've heard that as well. That's why I say they're, they're pretty much the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, to land Walker Howard. Ton on Twitter says, can't be greedy, but dang, man, I'd rather he'd stay in the fold. I think wherever he goes, he's going to put up huge numbers. LSU will probably lose a few others too if he goes because a lot of guys are there because he is. And what he's alluding to is a lot of the guys that committed to LSU liked the fact that they were going to have a strong-armed quarterback throwing in the football. I've also been told by people that if Jane Daniels had not returned, Kayshawn Butte would still be in school. Now, that's just speculation. That's just what I've been told. A lot of the wide receivers would have preferred having Garrett Nussmeyer or Walker Howard being their quarterback moving forward. 
No personal beef with Jaden Daniels, but as we've talked about before, he helps them to a division title, helps them to 10 wins. He's a running quarterback. Jaden Daniels doesn't necessarily go through all his progressions. He's a little limited. If you're a wide receiver, unless you're Malik Neighbors, who loves catching the five-yard slant pass from Jane Daniels and then makes something special out of it, the rest of that wide receiver group, you got a starting quarterback that is not necessarily throwing the ball down the field. That could be part of it. JPK, the OD, says, I'm fine with rolling with Jaden for another year with Nuss as a backup and an inherent parent. If Nuss can suppress his rogue Brett Favre-esque gunslinger urges, just 10% or so, 2024 is lining up to be pretty special. Yeah, Nuss does have that. He's, he, he, when you watch him play, you're like, oh, he's, he's Favre. That's, <laughs> he's got that Favre gunslinger. Hey, I'm going to throw this off my back foot into triple coverage. I got it. I got confidence in myself. John Paul, the Cajun Daddy, says, we probably all saw the writing on the wall after Daniel said he was coming back for one more year that someone was going to not be happy, but I'm surprised that Walker Howard is the one to transfer out. Walker is the reason that several receivers are at LSU. Ralph has chimed in. Daniels is a really good running quarterback, but he's way too indecisive on his reads. I think Nuss and Howard would have been really fun for the next two to three years, but go Tigers. And Grantitius says, just better hope Howard doesn't end up in Alabama. If you're an LSU fan, you could take if Walker Howard goes to TCU, right? You're bummed that he's leaving, but you can accept the fact if he goes someplace like TCU, right? It's not in the SEC. It's in the Big 12. You can, you know, it's not a rivalry. You're like, okay, sure. I'm bummed that you're leaving, but you're going to TCU, right? Not a big deal. But if he ends up at Florida, or if he ends up at Alabama, ooh, those phone lines are going to be blowing up on this show. It just will be. So vote on our poll question of the day. Once again, with Howard's transfer, what would you what would you have preferred? Nuss and Howard staying, Daniels and Howard staying, Daniels and Nuss staying, or all three staying? Keep those votes coming. Leave those comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kiddos. No need to get sideways on a Thursday morning. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to stick with football. Going to talk New Orleans Saints. Lots of kind of news came out yesterday about the team. Are they going to be featured on Hard Knocks? Is Sean Payton going to be taking a head coaching job? Multiple teams have been granted permission to interview the former Saints head coach. We'll dive into all of that coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
New Orleans Saints. Do you want them to be on hard knocks? Oh, man. I never want my team to be on hard knocks. Ever. And my team, as many of you know, the Washington Redskins slash football team slash commanders slash fighting Daniel Snyders, they're also one of the four teams eligible to host hard knocks in August of 2023. Comes down to the Chicago Bears, who have the number one overall pick, the New Orleans Saints, the New York Jets, and the Washington Commanders. They're eligible to answer your question because they've missed the playoffs the past two seasons. Head coaches in their second season or greater and haven't hosted hard knocks in the past decade. Usually when you're in hard knocks, it means you have no shot. Usually if you're on hard knocks, that means you have some dysfunction. Usually if you're on hard knocks, that means you're not going to be a playoff team. Want to be on hard knocks, do you? A lot of people are like, ooh, ooh, I'd like to be on hard knocks. That'd be awesome. Get to be on HBO, get to see all the behind-the-scenes nonsense. Yeah, 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 no, you don't want that. You don't want that. No, there are certain teams out there that want nothing more to not be on hard knocks. <clears throat> but those are the four teams eligible to be featured on the wildly popular HBO documentary series. Once again, Bears, Saints, Jets, Commanders. I mean, for pure soap opera purposes, it has to be the Commanders. I mean, that has to be the top of the list with everything going around, going on with Daniel Snyder. The Jets, who have been on hard knocks before, they're always wildly entertaining and always have some sort of dysfunction just like Washington does. So if you're looking for soap opera dysfunction, Washington checks those boxes, right? Because Daniel Snyder and the NFL forcing him to sell the football team. The Jets... They have their star quarterback who the head coach may hate or not hate, who may believe in, don't believe in, who lives a lifestyle off the field that involves older women. So there's lots of pure drama, reality television show, Kardashian stuff going on with Washington and New York, which makes them strong candidates. The Bears... They're going to have the number one overall pick, so that kind of makes sense, right? In Chicago, it's been a long time since the Bears have been relevant. But if I'm a Saint fan, no, no. I don't want Gail Benson signing off on the fact of having the Saints be on hard knocks. You don't want Mickey Loomis saying, this is a great idea. Because this is always the kiss of death. Your team's featured on Hard Knocks. Congratulations. You're not making the playoffs, and you're more than likely going to be a loser. But that wasn't the only great Saints news coming out yesterday. Also being thrown out there, Ian Rappaport reporting that the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals, and now the Houston Texans 
all have permission now to speak with former Saints head football coach Sean Payton. Sources tell Ian Rappaport. Plenty of good options for the former Super Bowl winning head coach. And plenty of good options for the New Orleans Saints. I mentioned on the air that Arizona seemed like a really good fit. This was, what, about a month and a half ago? They play inside. Yes, their turf is grass, and it's kept outside, and it's a whole thing. We did the deep dive on that. But Arizona, you could put your stamp on things. Denver Broncos. Obviously, they fired their head coach after one season, and they're committed to making Russell Wilson work. You've heard the GM, you've heard the president of football operations or owners say as much that uh, we're committed to Russell Wilson working out. And remember, Denver last year thought they were a star quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Ended up not being the case. So Denver's an option. Arizona's an option. And I've also mentioned on the air, Houston Texans. Now, Houston Texans have the misfortune of having a bonkers owner, which can be, excuse me, can be a bit of a deterrent, right? Sean likes stability. That's what he had for 15 years with the New Orleans Saints. But with the Texans, who fired Lovey Smith last week, it's you're building it from scratch, just like he did when he took over in New Orleans. You have multiple picks because of the Deshaun Watson trade. And you can put your stamp on the franchise. You could run it the way you want to run it. Now, you're going to be working for a GM who's fired a head coach in back-to-back years. And an owner who is on the other side of bonkers. So that's a little concerning. I feel like Arizona feels like the team that has the best chance. Just does. Yes, Kyler Murray's coming off the knee injury, but you could find a free agent quarterback to be the bridge guy. Sean Payton could develop Kyler. And you put your stamp on things. And we've seen that you can win with the Arizona Cardinals. They played in a Super Bowl, and they've been a playoff team consistently for a while this century. The Texans... You put in the right pieces there, you can win there as well. Winning division uh, d- division titles and winning wildcard games. They just could never get past the divisional round. And Denver, we know what Denver's history is. You can win at Denver. Heck, John Elway won at Denver, and then he was able to get them to two Super Bowls with Payne Manning as their quarterback. So all three places you can win at. It's not like you're taking over the Cleveland Browns. But which one of those three do you believe is the most appealing? I still think it's Arizona. But if you're the Saints, 
Now you look at this. You know who has the number two overall pick in the NFL draft? Houston Texans. You know who has the number three pick overall in the NFL draft? Arizona Cardinals. Now, would either one of those teams give up a top three pick to get Sean Payton? No. That would be silly. But the Texans also have, wait for it, the number 12 overall pick. They do have that. They do have that. That's another piece. That's another piece that they can move around and utilize. Denver also has another first-round pick as well. Now, the Broncos gave up their pick to get Russell Wilson, right? But they still got another one because of another trade. They just have to wait on what happens with the 49ers in the playoffs. So can Denver simply give away their first-round pick to the Saints to get Sean Payton? Maybe. The Texans got an extra first-round pick. Could they utilize that to get Sean Payton? Sure could. Is Arizona giving up the number three overall pick for Sean Payton? I don't think so. Maybe you have to get another team involved, have Arizona trade down and trade and do some multiple trades, but those are three teams that all have first-round picks. And we keep hearing reports that the asking price for the Saints to have Sean Payton is going to be a first-round pick. Salty Steve has chimed in. Our guy. Saints are already on hard knocks. Keeping Coach Allen, no first-round draft pick and offensive issues, no running backs, no quarterback, and suspect wide receivers. Another seven-win team next year. Perfect for HBO. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. See, Salty Steve's getting all that salt out of him right now because, as we know, Friday is hashtag no salt Friday. So, three teams have been granted permission by the Saints to interview their former head coach, Sean Payton, the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Houston Texans. Woo! Things are going to get interesting for the Saints. Maybe they trade Sean Payton and be on hard knocks. Oh, how awesome would that be for Saints fans? (laughs) They trade Sean Payton, don't get a first-round pick. And they get on hard knocks. Outstanding. That's that's the best case scenario. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update that poll question of the day and more. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, let's be honest. We like to have a lot of fun here at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, a Delta media station. And look, if you're looking for a career change and have any type of sales experience, it could be retail, it could be telemarketing, it could be auto sales, does not matter. Delta media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to our sales director, Johnette Cochran at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. That's jcochran at deltamediacorp.com or 
by calling 896-1600. That's 896-1600. Poll question of the day with Howard's transfer, what would you have preferred to be done at LSU? 32% of you say Garrett Nussmeyer and Walker Howard staying. 32% of you say Jaden Daniels and Walker Howard staying. 22% of you say all three staying. And 14% of you saying what actually is happening, Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer staying. I think the Tigers will be just fine. Jane Daniels knows the system. He should be better in year number two. You know Nussmeyer can sling the football. You just have to kind of reel in his tendencies to throw in triple coverage because you got Brett Favre in him. And they got the kid out of Woodlawn to be the number three. But it is, you know, kind of a bummer to have a kid whose father played and started at LSU a kid that was a longtime commitment to LSU, a lifelong Tiger fan, enter the transfer portal. I mean, I understand it's the world we live in, and this is the way things are done now. Kids can come and go as they please, and if they don't like their situation, they can leave. I get it. I understand that's the world we live in, but if you're an LSU Tiger fan this morning, you got to feel a little bummed because – Walker Howard was going to be the guy that was going to be a starting quarterback for you for three years. That's how it was always pitched. Ended up not being that way. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Walker Howard in the transfer portal that broke yesterday. After only one season in Baton Rouge, the former STM Cougar and Tiger legacy player, his father, of course, Jamie, starred and played at LSU, is in the transfer portal. No official announcement from Walker himself on his social media platforms. He still represents himself as a member of the LSU Tigers football team with his pictures and the Twitter handle. But Mike Scarborough and others have reported that he's, in fact, in the NCAA transfer portal. Others are indicating that it looks like TCU is going to be the leader in the clubhouse. That's where his former high school and LSU teammate, Jack Besh, is already transferred to. What do we make of this? Walker was a guy that sat at STM and took over, just set all types of records. Long-time LSU commit, never wavered really from that. 
five-star prospect in the country, number one ranked quarterback prospect by ESPN. And when even when they made a coaching change, from Ed Orgeron to Brian Kelly, he stayed. Brian Kelly re-recruited him. He was the the really prized recruit that Kelly made sure to do the silly 360 video with. And he stayed. And a lot of the wide receivers and pass catchers that also committed wanted to pair up and were imagining themselves with Walker Howard. But a guy that's a longtime LSU commitment, stuck with LSU through a coaching change, his father played at LSU, does is not known for being a diva or a problem or anything like that, is reportedly in the transfer portal. Now, if Jaden Daniels had not decided to come back, would Walker Howard be in the transfer portal? Probably not. Probably not. He probably would be battling Nussmeyer in the spring, knowing that at least he'd be the number two. And he'd be an injury away from being the starting quarterback at LSU. But with Jane Daniels returning, that ain't happening. And Mike Scarborough reported that the decision by Walker Howard came after he met with team officials and coaches on Wednesday. So obviously a conversation was had where they said, Walker, we love you, but you know, Jane's going to be the guy and Nuss is going to be the number two heading into spring ball and you're still going to be our number three. Now, is that the bill of goods that was sold to Walker Howard when the coaching staff recruited him initially to LSU? Is that the bill of, uh, is that the uh, the sales pitch that Brian Kelly gave him when he locked him up as a signee? Probably not. Probably not. And, and that's the other part of this that we never really think of. We look at it from the fan perspective, don't we? We go, well, oh, man, I want all three to stay. Why is that guy leaving? He doesn't like competition. That's always the, the knee-jerk reaction to these type of things, isn't it? Oh, he doesn't like competition. Okay. I've covered sports long enough. Been on the radio now almost four years. Before then, nearly 20 years in the newspaper business. Covered a lot of high school athletes. Covered a lot of college athletes. Covered a lot of recruiting. I can guarantee you, nine times out of ten, one of the big sales pitches that's made to kids, when that coach is sitting in the living room with him, talking to him about being an LSU Tiger or being an Alabama Crimson Tide or a Florida Gator or Texas A&M Aggie or Texas Longhorn, whatever it might be. Hey, man, you're going to get playing time. You're our guy. I want you to sign with us, and I want you to lead our program as the starting quarterback for LSU. That matters. I know we live in this era of the transfer portal and we we worry about kids not knowing and understanding what commitment is and what sacrifice is. And that's those are legitimate concerns. But coaches tell recruits 
every single recruiting season, you're going to be the guy. You're going to be the guy. You're going to be my guy. So if you look at it from that point of view, does that change how you look at things? Because let me break it down for you. Let's say you're a a parts runner for a local company and you're really good at what you do. And bigger companies, regional companies, come in. And this regional company comes in and says, hey, Ray, man, you're great at what you do. We want you to be part of what we're doing. You're going to be our number one parts runner in the future. You're going to have to be essentially trained for a year. We're going to show you the ropes. We're going to show you how we do things at this level to be successful. But then after that, you're our number one guy. You're going to be our number one parts runner. You're going to be the top dog in our company. So you go and you leave and you go sign with them. And you take a year and you get mentored and you get trained. And then when that year comes up, You get told, hey, you know when we told you that you were going to be our guy, our top parts runner for the next three years? Guess what? We're going to push that back a little bit. Because this other guy that we decided to bring in that transferred in from another company, he's going to be the guy still for another year. If that was you, in that scenario, you'd be pissed, wouldn't you? Your feelings would be hurt. You'd be like, well, why did you come and give me the pitch? And why did you tell me that I was going to be the guy? And in fact, you brought in some other dude instead to be the guy. You wouldn't be too happy about that, would you? You probably wouldn't want to work for that company, would you? That's how you got to kind of look at this. I don't know if that was the pitch that was made to Walker Howard. But if you're the number five, if you're the five-star prospect and you're a number one rated prospect by ESPN and you could go anywhere you want to in the country, I guarantee you playing time is part of the pitch. I don't care who you are. If you're that good, playing time is part of the pitch. Now, that pitch may say, you're not going to play right off the bat because we're going to redshirt you a year, beef you up a little bit, let you learn our program and everything else. But after that, you're the guy. If you don't think that pitch is made, if you don't think that pitch was made to Walker Howard, if you don't think that pitch is made to any star prospect, whether they're quarterback or non-quarterback, you fooling yourself. And now, unlike before, these kids can say, you know what? I'm gone. I'm gone. I have the ability to leave. I don't have to stick here and not be given what I was told I was going to receive. Now, 
I'm a traditionalist. I've said it over and over again. I would prefer if I was an LSU fan, which I'm not, but if I was an LSU fan, I would definitely prefer to have Walker Howard still there and I'd have him fight it out with Jane Daniels because I do like competition and I think having competition makes you better. It makes you stronger. But this is a different era. I'm 44 years old. The way things were done 20 years ago or 30 years ago is not the way they're done anymore. And we get mad at kids for entering the transfer portal, and we get mad at kids for leaving at a drop of a dime because they don't like competition. Well, what about all the coaches that leave in the middle of the night? What about Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to go take the Colorado job? It's a better opportunity for him, right? More financial security. He gets a a better job opportunity, so he takes advantage of it. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. That's a good job. He got the opportunity for a better job, didn't he? And all those kids that Brian Kelly recruited those years at Notre Dame saying, I'm going to be your coach. I want you to come here. I want you to be part of what we do. Well, now he's no longer there. So there's a bit of a double standard. I understand we get frustrated with the transfer portal. I understand it 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 it, it bugs us that kids can just come and go as they please. That's the fan in you that gets upset about that. But we come and go as we please in our normal lives. It just happens. And once again, I'm telling you, these kids, I've seen it. I've seen recruiters firsthand do this kind of stuff. I've seen text messages sent to recruits <laughs> where things are said, okay, and things are promised. Just saying. But if you're an LSU fan, you got to be a little bummed. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Doc, to the show. Doc, good morning to you. It's been too long, brother. Hope you had a great holiday season. How you doing, my friend? Doing well, Ray. Doing well. Um, I just kind of wanted to just touch touch basically about this. I, I personally think that there's just a couple of things. One, I think that what you're looking at with the whole social media aspect, you know, that's part of the reason why I recently canceled my Facebook account is because, it, you know, social media dictates terms. It's not whether or not it's reality. Mm. Social media, they bleed the, the narrative, and then everybody just kind of falls along in it. But that's a whole separate thing. I think my view on, on Walker is that uh, I have no problems with the kids transferring. I think that you're talking about what we're basically, we've had this discussion before, is that this is a semi-pro league. That's uh, correct. College football, semi-pro. These kids have every right to go where they think they can get playing time. It's going to make them the most money. It's going to give them the most opportunity to further future or advance their career, their lives. And I don't think anybody should knock a kid or a coach uh, because it's basically their cogs in the wheel that we grind to the ground until they break and they throw them, they're thrown away and a new one's thrown in there. And that's just, that's the nature of football. Um, I, I think the one catch I'd have here though, is that, or one thing I would say is that because if we if we assume that this is a semi-pro cogs in the wheel, if everybody, as long as everybody's given a fair shot, um, you have to assume that Jaden Daniels, Nussmeyer, Walker were all kind of given reps, maybe not the same amount, but given reps enough, our coaches are going to play who they think gives them the best chance of winning those ball games that allows them to. You know, I mean, coaches aren't going to put somebody in there because fans say, oh, we really like him. That's you know, correct. 
That's correct. Go and ahead. and Brian Kelly felt that Jane Daniels gives him the best chance of of winning. That's why the that's why he won the job right this year. Now right. fans can argue that, and I do know that Walker the 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 whole game plan for Walker was he was going to get redshirted. Right. I think and he was going to bulk up. He was going to bulk up. He was going to get stronger. Game. But what I think happened is it look. It's a domino effect. It is Jaden coming back means Walker is not even going to be the number two because now there's no possibility to be the number two. Maybe he can beat out Nussmeyer to be the number two. And I do believe that he was given a bill of goods when they signed him. Hey, you're going to get redshirted and you're going to be our guy for three years after that. Well, I don't doubt that at all. Right. Well, right. right. So, but now right. Jaden's coming back, and I, and I don't think this is any personal beef with Jaden. I, I want to be clear there. I, I don't, I don't yeah. think that is. I just think it's like, well, okay, when he first signed with them, Walker signed and committed, and then they brought in Jaden Daniels, right? So because Brian yeah. was like, Walker's not ready yet. He's still going to be too young. I don't know if Garrett Nussmeyer is ready. I'm going to roll with this Arizona State transfer. Well, that's great. But then the Arizona State transfer did pretty good. I mean, we, we, we're knocking Jaden, but they did win 10 well, games. Well, that, that's my point, though, right. is that he did good. I, 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 right. don't, and I, don't, not, I don't like – I think um, – and this is not because I personally don't think that Jaden Daniels is the future. I, I just he, – he, he's had too many shortcomings in terms of throwing the ball. But my, my point is that is that, you know, as long as these guys were given somewhat of an – hopefully somewhat of a presumed equal opportunity to show that, hey, I'm, I can be better than this guy um, or I have more potential than this guy, that you assume that the coaches would say, they're not going to show favoritism just because this guy's a senior. They're going to say, no, this guy's going to win me more games. And I That's do wonder, Doc, to your – Right. Doc, I do wonder to your point, you know, we have the report from Mike Scarborough that apparently Walker met with – the coaches and the staff on Wednesday morning, and the decision was made after that. So did the coaches so, just say, hey, you know what? Jaden's our number one. Garrett has shown enough to be the number two. You're right, still going to be our number three. Yeah, and that's where I think the point is. So basically, uh, you know, I, I think that while Walker has enough, I guess I don't think that we should be upset because if, if we're basing it on that decision and we trust Brian Kelly – and we have to trust that he's going to put the he's he's accepting the two best guys that give LSU the best chance to win. And yeah, I'd love for Walker Howard to be there. I'd love for him to, you know, make up for for that. I'm not well. I'm not going to go there with Jamie, but um, you know, to to be this this the next coming. But if he if he didn't show enough strides forward as the season progressed, as practices went along, to, to overtake these guys. And we just have to presume that the guys that are there are going to do better. And Correct. We can't knock the kid for wanting to leave. And we just maybe he just wasn't ready for it. Correct. And the other thing is this, right? The, the other part of this is, you know, if, if you're – look, Jaden did good. Do we know what Jaden's ceiling is? Yes. And, and yeah. we, we know what he can't do. He struggles with going through right. his read progressions. He doesn't throw the deep ball, right? So right. we understand that, but you did win 10 games with him as your starting quarterback. You did win the SEC West. So you're not going to bench that guy. That guy's not going to lose his job, right? It's just not going to happen. So well, not unless you presume the next guy comes up, just comes in there and just blows him out the water. Correct. 
but I also think Brian Kelly is old school. He he just is. So hey, my you think so? Uh, well, he's got a guy that is a returning starting quarterback. I don't think that guy, even if the other guy is that good, I don't think you bench that guy. I just don't. I just don't think Brian's that way. Uh, uh, and so that's part of it. Now, maybe Walker Howard was also saying, okay, is Nuss going to transfer? Because we all thought Garrett Nussmeyer would be yeah. the guy. And he could still transfer, right? That's the crazy thing that after spring ball, yeah. he could be like, well, I don't, this ain't working out for me. I'm leaving. <laughs> you told me a bill of goods that I don't like. and uh, Yeah, think, there you uh, go. I'm get a shot, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah, right. People shouldn't be mad. Fans get mad, but 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 you shouldn't. Look, the guy's going to go and, and for a better opportunity. Um, I, I still think TCU's probably the leader in the clubhouse there. Uh, him and Jack Besh get reunited in Fort Worth. Uh, but we'll see. Other teams could scoop in, too. Florida may need a quarterback. Billy Napier, you know, he knows Lafayette yeah. pretty well. I, I just hope that, that would be my one thing. I, I could support Walker wherever he goes, as long as it ain't Florida or Auburn. Or Alabama. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, you can't hate, you can't hate the winner. You got you to step up and start beating them. You got to quit about how they're, oh, well, you know what? Just shut up and put up. You there, know? there it is. And, but I, I, I don't know. Florida and Auburn just rub my Probably somewhat wrong. So. <laughs> I anyway. feel you, Doc. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. You too. Yeah, that's the, you know. Yeah, I really don't want that to happen. Let, let, let them go elsewhere. Let them go to, you know, TCU, fine. Oklahoma, sure. Clemson, okay. <laughs> you know, anywhere else, Utah, Awesome. Don't want them at Auburn. Don't want them at Florida. Don't want them at Alabama. We got to take a timeout. Good phone call there from Doc. Hadn't heard from him in a long time. Coming up, Pelicans. They were in action last night. Still no Zion because of the hammy injury. Still no B.I. Eh, they were a little undermanned, and it showed in a road loss to the Boston Celtics. We, re- we will recap it for you. Coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, if you didn't get what you wanted from Santa this past Christmas, not to worry. We have the gifts you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse inside Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. There's also a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also there at Cypress Bayou. We also now have a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio down in Abbeville and a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine-In Drink in Broussard. All of those great prizes are waiting for you to win them in our rewards club. But you can only score them by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. 
So go sign up today. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Brent to the show. Brent, good morning to you, bud. What's on your mind? How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, bud. I'm just calling to, uh, if Sean Payton wants to coach so bad, why did he leave the Saints? It's a good question. <laughs> it's a good it's a good question. You know what I think happened there? I think he got burned out, which happens a lot in the coaching profession, right? 15 years. That last season was uh, a difficult year of injuries. He had to play four different quarterbacks, including Ian Book and Trevor Simeon. I think he just got burned out. And Drew leaving, right? I, I think life after Drew was hard for him. And that helped with the burned out factor. And I think that's what really happened there. But now, like uh, happens to a lot of coaches, Bill Parcells comes to mind, uh, someone who was a mentor of Sean Payton. Uh, you can only stay uh, stay away for so long. And um, I got a question for yesterday when you were talking about the mascot thing. It, what, is, what is your favorite mascot if you have to pick one? Ooh, I'm going to have to think on that. I like that, though, Brent. Thank you for the phone call, bud. Enjoy your day. Okay. Have a good day. You too. Favorite mascot? Ooh, there's so many good ones though. There's so many good ones. I'm gonna have to study on that. That's a good. That's a good question. You know what? We should put that in our back pocket for a poll question. Who's your favorite mascot? Ooh, there's so many good ones. So many good ones. He's got me thinking now. He's got me thinking. I'm actually gonna write that down. <laughs> Who's your favorite mascot? I mean, you could go in so many different ways with that. Who's your favorite? You know, human mascot, who's your favorite mascot that is dressed up in a suit? You could do a whole list of who's your most disturbing mascot that you've seen. The King Cake Baby kind of comes to mind there. By the way, I love the King Cake Baby mascot. It is creepy. It is weird. It is the stuff of nightmares. When he and the Pierre the Pelican get together, ooh, magic is made. Disturbing magic. Something out of a Clive Barker movie, but yes, still magic. Speaking of Pierre, eh, he didn't have a lot to cheer about last night. 125 to 114 loss for the Pels on the road to the Boston Celtics. Not really surprising. Boston is one of the best teams in the NBA, period, regardless of what conference they play in. By the way, they play in the East. And the Pelicans are shorthanded. No Zion Williamson because of the hammy. No Brandon Ingram as well. And they got some good contribution, though, last night. 38 points from C.J. McCollum. He is playing at an all-star level. We talked about this with Ali Cassell earlier this week, that C.J. is just kind of taking over this team in a lot of ways. 38 points, 6-12 from three-point range. My man had himself a night. And they had four other starters score in double figures. Got 18 points from Najee Marshall, who's done a nice job in the starting lineup as well. He's the Pelicans' traditional sixth man, but he's been forced into starting duty with all the injuries to Zion, B.I., and Herb Jones. They only got 13 from Valachunas. Kind of a dip in production there. Boston did a very nice job of defending him. Trey Murphy gave him 15 as well, 7-11 from the field. And they got contributions from five guys off the bench as well. Alvarado giving them nine points, and Jackson Hayes giving them eight. But it wasn't enough. Defensively, they weren't on top of their game because, well, Boston's really good. 
I mean, just I, I, it, there's really no other way of kind of describing it. Boston is just really good. Jason Tatum, 31 points. Jalen Brown, 41. When those two guys go off, it's hard to beat Boston. It just is. And they got Brogdon to come off the bench and give them 20. Pels fall to 25 and 17 overall, 8 and 12 on the road. They're not good on the road. Not yet. They get a boost. They get some energy when they play inside the Smoothie King Center. They do. They play far better there, but they're just, you know, they're not a great road team. Thankfully for the Pels, even though they're shorthanded, they're going to take on the struggling Detroit Pistons coming up on this road trip. That'll be tomorrow. They'll be playing Detroit Friday night. And the Pistons are one of the worst teams in the NBA. But once again, they're probably not going to have Zion. And you heard Ali Cassell say, expect Zion to be out even longer. You know, we did the whole thing. He would be reevaluated in five weeks. And I said, eh, that's not going to happen. Yep. Probably double it. So no Zion, no B.I. Herb Jones is hurt again. Pelicans, though, looking to get back on track tomorrow night against Detroit. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk a little basketball, a little UL, a little McNeese. Got some big games on tap for both of those programs. We'll dive into that next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Trying to find a sport that your kid really is interested in is a struggle sometimes. We've talked about this before on the show. My daughter loves basketball, right? She loves playing in the driveway, hooping it up. She loves it when I put her on my shoulders and let her dunk. I guess I'm tall enough, obviously. She loves basketball, and she loves to run. She's a runner, right? So lately we've been trying to be a little bit more active, at the Parch household. So we've been going for family walks. She's been riding her bike or just running around the neighborhood or whatever it may be. She comes and tells me, pick her up the other day from school. I say, like, what did you do today? Daddy, we played volleyball. She loves volleyball. Like this is her jam now. Because I try to, you know, we got a soccer ball and we played a little bit of soccer because I was like, well, she likes to run, so it makes a lot of sense, right? Making, you know, playing soccer. And basketball makes a lot of sense because she loves to run too. But she got excited when I picked her up 
because her PE teacher during this time of the year, they're teaching them how to play volleyball. And she's so excited. And then when she found out that my wife loved playing volleyball growing up and played some at school, oh my goodness. She's like, now she wants to be a volleyball player. In addition to being an artist, a vet, an astronaut, fashion designer, a chef, and everything else. Radio DJ, television personality, so, and a dancer. So we got to fit that in now. But found it, volleyball. She's digging it. See what I did there? Because dig is a volleyball term. You see what I did there? That's called a play on words. <laughs> I'm just getting stared down. That's all that's happened. Oh, yes, and she wants to be an interior designer as well. She's got a lot on her plate. Can't say that kid is not ambitious. Can't say that at all. It's going to be a big couple of days on the hardwood for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and for the McNeese Cowboys. And we'll start off with McNeese because it was just last week where they honored Joe Dumars, right? Their greatest player in program history a gentleman who would go on to be a first-round draft pick, an NBA Finals MVP, a two-time world champion as a player, a world champion as an exec, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer. So they named the court after him, and it was a great moment of outreach, getting some of your former great players back into the fold, just not simply FedExing them requests for money, right? They're part of what you're wanting to do. They're part of the family, especially with that great state-of-the-art facility that McNeese now has at the Legacy Center, which was rebuilt following the Hurricanes. Well, less than a week, I mean, we're talking just a week after now, they're going to be honoring another one of their great players, and that's John Rudd. They're going to be retiring his number this weekend at the basketball game on Saturday. Rudd, of course, is originally from DeRitter. He attended McNeese, played at McNeese from 1974 to 1978, ended up being a second-round draft pick in 1978, was drafted by the New York Knicks. He played for the Knicks for one season, and while he was at McNeese, he was a two-time first-team All-Southland performer and he's now going to have a ceremony this coming weekend where they're honoring him, retiring his number. And John spoke with the media earlier this week, and this is what he had to say about getting his jersey retired. Uh, I mean, it's an honor, first of all. Uh, it kind of proves to you all the work that you put in over the years when you were here and what you did for this school and what this school has done for me, uh, both in this community. Uh, I graduated from this school, my wife graduated, both my kids have graduated from this school and I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, I'm proud of what this university has provided for me and my family. Uh, and I've got grandkids now that I hope come to this university and graduate also. Uh, it wasn't just the playing of ball and the honor. I mean, you look up on that wall and you look at the Southland Conference champions, yeah, I've got, 
I was in two of them. I should have been in four of them. Uh, you know, we just missed out. But we had players that played together. You heard me just pick at Coach Aikens out there. You still ain't playing defense, Coach, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I was taught if you scored one more than the team you played, you won. Old school mentality. Not surprising that John would say something like that. You know, this is a guy that made his bones, if you will, as a rebounder. It's what he did. He was one of the greatest rebounders in school and Southland Conference history. Going to have his number 52 retired Saturday prior to the men's basketball game versus Houston Christian University. It's only going to be the fifth number retired in McNeese basketball history. And it's going to hang in the rafters there at the Legacy Center, joining Joe Dumars, who wore number four, Frank Lynn, number 34, Stan Kernan, number 25, and Bill Regal, number 33. Native of DeRitter. Once again, he played for the Cowboys from 1975 through 1978. Helped them lead to a record in those four seasons of 72 and 34. That's really good. <laughs> he played on two Southland Conference championship teams in 75 and 78 and two 21 seasons. The 76-77 season and then the 77-78 season. Four-time All-Southland Conference player here in first-team honors in 77 and 78 and continues to hold the honor of being the only player in Southland Conference history to be crowned rebound champion three times. All-time second-leading rebounder in school history, ranking 11.6 per game, which ranks fifth all-time still in the conference, and he hasn't played in more than four decades. Yeah. If he played in 78, I was born in 78. I'm 44. Yeah. I did the math properly. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, sorry doing the math in her head. Huh? Uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. And rebounding according to John Rudd is absolutely a mindset and it's just as important as making sure to play team basketball well, I mean rebounding was more of a mindset and the get kids that I played with the kids the guys uh, you knew who got the ball they're gonna shoot it and it was more of a uh, calculation on okay they're going to shoot it you know they're going to shoot short so you go get the rebound short you know you don't go long you you you, you understood who you were playing with uh, and I think that was how it gave me the ability to win the, uh, the rebounding all the time was I understood my players as well as I understood my opponent uh, because I knew if a, uh, Edmund Lawrence got the ball Guess what? He's going to turn around and shoot it, and he's going to shoot short. And then he had a brother that's going to turn around and shoot it, but he's going to shoot it long. So I told me where to go to get because I knew I wasn't going to get the ball back. He wasn't going to pass it to me. <laughs> so uh, we had a little kid, my roommate, David Ellis. My God, if David got it anywhere in the corner, guess what? It's going up, you know. And you just learn that with players that you play with, and I hope the kids understand that today. Uh, it, you know, you see so much one-man and two-man ball. It's not team. And that's, I told the coach, I said, hey, I, I'm glad to see y'all got five kids playing, playing and scoring, five kids scoring double digits today. That's team ball.
John Rudd, old school. <laughs> Team ball. Doesn't like that ISO. Doesn't like that one-on-one. Likes the guys to go out there and do the dirty work. And as someone who led the conference in rebounding three times in his four-year career with the Cowboys, he faced off against a lot of tough players, especially doing the dirty work down low in the post. And John was asked, hey, who was the toughest player you ever played against? Robert Parrish, most probably. Because uh, I played against Robert in high school, played against Robert in college, and I played against Robert in the pros. Uh, he was fundamentally most probably the toughest. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar I played against, and it's like I tell people that when I played against him, he was averaging 35, I held him to 34, okay? <laughs> But that was only in three quarters. <laughs> okay, work, I, I made it work, but he only played three quarters. They beat us by 20. So I mean, you know, I, he, I didn't let him get 35 on me. He only got 34, but it was in three quarters. So. Now, uh, next, which was it to go from the Ritter, Louisiana, to New York City? Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was cold. People weren't friendly. Uh, I mean, I didn't. It was a great experience. Uh, I, I'll tell you this, if Willis Reed wasn't the person that picked me up at the airport, I'd almost probably got back on a plane and came back home. Late 70s New York City, wildly different than what New York City is these days. <laughs> that, that That's the New York City of taxi driver, that era. A little bit different. And, uh, yeah, it could definitely be a scary place. Willis Reed? Played for the New York Knicks, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, also from Louisiana, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer. Robert Parrish was an absolute beast back in the day. It's crazy to think that all those guys came through the state around the same time. Rudd, Robert Parrish, Willis Reed came before there in the 70s. Joe Dumars then in the 80s, Carl Malone in the 80s. You had some great, great basketball players come through the state of Louisiana that the state of Louisiana actually produced. Homegrown talent, for sure. Once again, John Rudd will have his number jersey retired Saturday prior to the game against Houston Christian University there inside the Legacy Center. Big deal, big event this coming weekend in Lake Charles. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. With Howard's transfer, what would you have preferred happen at LSU? Right now, 29% of you say you would have preferred that all three stay. Jane Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, Walker Howard. 27% of you say... You would prefer to have Jaden Daniels and Walker Howard be the ones to stay. 24% of you say you would prefer to have Garrett Nussmeyer and Walker Howard stay. And 20% of you are down for what actually is happening. Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer staying. Darren on Twitter says, I think Daniels threw a wrench in the whole plan. That's why Kayshawn left, and that's why Walker is leaving. That's also why Jack left. There's been some speculation there that that's why that is. Mr. Green says... Mr. The Third's favorite mascot is the Arkansas Monticello Bull Weevil. Ooh, I do like me, the Bull Weevil. That is nice. Who Dat Forever says, 
This is beyond weak. He didn't even attempt to win the job. Just noped out after he wasn't guaranteed the starting job. Jay Sumo says he goes to TCU, meet Betcher, Florida. Ricky will be uh, plug and play behind Daniels. Nuss is just an insurance policy. And Joe Beasy says, not sure why all three is an option. That's clearly not realistic in today's college football, regardless of what fans prefer. But we're all about giving options. That's why we're here. All about the options. What would you have preferred? Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Hour number three going to be jam-packed, and we're going to kick it off with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. Talking Pels, talking Saints. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The New Orleans Saints. Hey! They're qualified to be on Hard Knocks, one of four teams to do so. Should they be on Hard Knocks? I say no, no, no. You don't want to be on Hard Knocks. That's like the kiss of death. You don't want to be on that show. Trust me on that. Just don't. Nope, 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 nope. Also, Sean Payton. He has been given permission, or rather three teams have been given permission to interview the former New Orleans Saints head football coach. Arizona Cardinals, which I said would be an interesting option about a month ago. Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos. To talk about that as well as the New Orleans Pelicans dropping a game on the road to the Boston Celtics is the man who covers both the Saints and the Pels for CrescentCitySports.com. Our good friend Les East joins us now. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing tremendous, bud. Doing tremendous. So let's start off with... Sean Payton it sure does look like he is going to be getting a job this offseason three teams already have been granted permission by the Saints to interview Sean Denver Houston Arizona all three of them have first round picks which obviously has been reported on what the Saints would like some of them a few of those teams have multiple picks what do you make of those three teams and who do you think is the most viable option to land Sean Payton well, I'm not sure any of them is very strong as a candidate. I guess if I had to pick one, I would pick uh, Arizona because they probably have the best roster, probably have had the most success in recent seasons. Um, I, I think the uh, Houston's a dysfunctional franchise. I can't imagine why he would go there. Denver mortgaged its future to get uh, Russell Wilson, and he played far below the standard that he has generally played at in his career, so I'm not sure how good the future is there. I believe that um, Denver does not have its own number one. It has San Francisco's number one, which would not be a very attractive pick. 
to the Saints if they ever got to that point in discussions. Arizona, depending on you know what uh, Sean thinks of Kyler Murray and what Kyler Murray's relationship is with the uh, uh, organization currently, would have a lot to do with that viability. But uh, I, I don't think any of those is exactly the situation he's looking for. Arizona probably comes the closest. So you don't think really any three of those are viable options. What job out there do you think is tailor-made for Sean Payton or what he's really looking for then, Les? I don't think there is a job that's open that that is what he's looking for. Now, it's possible you could have, I don't think this is likely, but if you had someone like the Chargers or the Dolphins or the Cowboys, uh have a poor performance in the first round of the playoffs and the front office and ownership uh, decided to make a change and something in one of those cities opened up, I think that would be more attractive to him. But right now, I, I just don't, I don't think the type of job that he's looking for is out there. So if the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the Dolphins stay pat, despite what happens with their teams this weekend, wildcard weekend, because all three are playing, and they decide to retain their coaches. Is it in your opinion then that Sean Payton will not be coaching in 2023? I think that's the most likely thing, yeah. I don't think he's going to take a job just to take a job, even though I think he's itching to get back and would, would like to coach next season. Uh, I think, however, he's going to be patient enough to take a job uh, that, that gives him what he's looking for. It gives him stable ownership. It gives him a good front office. It gives him a good roster, including a, a viable young quarterback to work with, as well as uh, enough um, draft picks to move forward. Now, the wild card in all this is the Rams. If, if Sean McVay were to step aside, and that seems to be what's going to happen, then I think that's a place that would be attractive to him. Although, like the Broncos, they also have mortgaged their future a lot with draft choices. So I'm not sure even that would do it. But I think that is more likely to become an opening than any of the three playoff teams. And that that's something I think he would look at. But the, the absence of draft choices would also be a concern there. So if I had a guess, I would say, it's more likely that he won't be coaching next year than he will. But, you know, we'll see. It, there's, there's still a lot that could happen here. What does Gail Benson, Mickey Loomis want in return for Sean Payton? I mean, what you know, because obviously they're allowing teams to interview their former coach. They still have his rights. So what do they want from a franchise perspective, Les? Well, I think they they want uh, a number one draft choice and something else, and I think that probably depends on the uh, the quality of the number one pick. If you're getting a top ten pick, they probably wouldn't require a whole lot more. If uh, they're tr- working on a deal with Denver and they're getting San Francisco's pick, which is at the bottom of the first round, they're probably going to want a future number one or uh, – uh, a number two this year or something along those lines. Now, if it's a uh, an organization that maybe is looking to move on from a quarterback, whether it be a veteran or a young quarterback, then I think they would 
perhaps be interested in having a quarterback thrown in because that's a position they have to address. So it, it might not be limited to draft choices, but I think what they're looking for is a, a good, a fairly high number one pick and something else depending on where the number one pick is. We're talking with Les East of ChristianCitySports.com. He joins us here. We're talking Saints. We're talking Pels. Usually it's the kiss of death to be put on Hard Knocks, the HBO docuseries that's wildly popular and has been so for a decade, Less, uh, Would the Saints even consider putting themselves through being on Hard Knocks? I don't think so. I, I can't think of a single reason why any NFL team would. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think the Saints are um, – probably a more conservative organization than some others and therefore less likely to do something uh, that unconservative. And uh, under the circumstances with the problems they had this year and with all the work they have to do to try and get this thing back on track, why they would want to open it up to cameras on HBO and just invite all kinds of nonsense to get in their way uh, I, I just can't imagine it, but somebody does it every year, and I, I, I it continues to defy um, my um, capabilities of reasoning as to why anyone does it. I can't think of anything that benefits the team, but I can think of a lot of stuff that can be detrimental to the team. Yeah, if, if I'm a Saints fan, I don't want those HBO camera crews anywhere near my football team. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I don't want them anywhere near my team. What's the biggest off-season uh, issue that the team needs to address, in your opinion, Les? Well, you know, number one, obviously, is they have to get under the cap. I mean, there's nothing they can do about that. It's you know, they have to cut fifty-four and a half million dollars from the payroll in two months, and that's more than any other team in the NFL. So. Before they can even think about anything else, they have to get their finances in order, which is going to require um, getting rid of several players who have had a pretty significant impact on the team. So generally speaking, that, that nothing else can really take place until they, they take care of that. And then uh, after that, I think the next thing is they, they have to decide what they're going to do at, at quarterback because rebuilding the offense uh, is going to be a major part of the offseason, and figuring out who your quarterback is going to be is going to be the biggest part of that. Are they going to simply cut Mike Thomas, or are they going to trade him, or is he just simply going to be on the roster for 2023? Uh, I think they. I think it's least likely that he'll be on the roster. I think they will try to trade him because they want to get something in return. Everybody knows that, and so I think they'll have a hard time getting something in return. So I think the most likely thing is that they cut him. They restructured his contract to make that more uh, financially viable if they choose to do it, though it does, doesn't does preclude them from doing either of the other two. But I, I don't think he's going to be on the roster. Perhaps they're able to trade him somewhere for a pittance, um, but uh, I think most likely he gets cut sometime after June 1st, probably June 2nd. Let's switch over to the Pelicans. They lose last night 125-114 to 
at Boston. Not necessarily something to hang your head about because the Celtics are one of the best teams in the NBA, just not the Eastern Conference. And they're still without Zion and B.I. and Herb Jones. But I want to ask you this. C.J. McCollum in the last month or so is, is playing at what I think is an all-star level. What's been the difference in McCollum's game? Well, I think he's gotten healthy. I mean, early in the year, he had uh, he got sick a couple of times. He had COVID, and then he, he was sidelined on two different occasions. And it really got into his conditioning. And when he came back, he just wasn't uh, he wasn't himself, and it, he, he wasn't making his shots from the outside. And it took him a while to get his legs under him. And uh, I, I think the combination of, of him getting fully healthy and into good condition along with uh, the need for him to take over offensively with Williamson and Ingram out have led to some monstrous games. The one he had here with the, the 11 three-pointers, I think, against the Sixers, the one last night. And then, you know, the last game here last week, he had another poor shooting game, and they um, – they sat him in the first game of the road trip because I think they, they realized he was getting tired again because he's playing a lot of minutes here with the other two guys out. And I think he that gave him another boost of energy sitting out that game. And uh, these last couple of games, he's uh, had tremendous performances again. So I, I just think health-wise, it took him a while to get to where he needed to be because he, he was sick a couple of times early in the year. What's the latest update you can tell us on Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones when we can expect them back? We know Zion's going to be out, but what about B.I. and Herb? Well, I think Herb's probably a little closer than Ingram, although it's really hard to, to read the tea leaves with Ingram. You know, I, I, I have no idea when he's coming back. Uh, he could be back before the end of the road trip, or he could be out forever i don't know this is mind-boggling that this toe injury has gone on like this but the um you know herb seems to be closer to a day-to-day situation i don't know that either one will be back on uh friday i guess they're in detroit then monday they're in cleveland for a day game i you know there have been reports that ingram might play during the road trip i doubt that he would play uh, in either of those games, perhaps Herb could play in one of those games. I would think Cleveland would be more likely than Detroit. So I, I would expect both of them to miss at least one more game, but I'm mostly speculating there. Les, we don't have to speculate about what you're going to bring to the table when you join us here on RP3 and Company, bud. Thank you for your time. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Brandon. we got to take a timeout. When we come back, Jacob Henderson, we had him on last week talking about this new app that coaches and parents and recruiters are utilizing. It's Skills Masters. We'll talk with Jacob about the app coming up after this break. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? 
Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's the new app out there that's helping boost players and coaches' development and exposure. It's used to be healthier, how to push the athlete to the next level, helps with recruiting. And joining us as he does every Thursday at this time is Jacob Henderson from Skillmasters. Jacob, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Oh, doing excellent. Just uh, here on the road today, but excited it's Thursday to you know talk to you again and let everybody know what Skill Masters is about. Well, let's start. You know, we talked a little bit about the product, the genesis of it, and how you guys felt that there was a need for this app out there for not only parents but young student athletes. Let's talk a little bit this week about the actual app itself and, you know, some of the features that it has. And, you know, if you go download the app, just kind of walk us through that. You know, what can folks expect right at, uh, right after they download the app? Absolutely. So what happens uh, once you download it from the Android or iOS store, um, you're obviously going to make a profile. Um, once you make a profile, you'll, you'll be given the option to, to stay on the free version or go into a paid version. But with the free version, uh, what it's going to allow you to do is see about eight to ten workouts that you can do on your own, at your house, you know, on a field by yourself, um, and give you just kind of a taste of, of what it's like to be um, going through a Skillmasters platform, um, as well as give you the ability to baseline yourself. So as, as we mentioned last week, the, the first thing we do uh, when you actually move into, uh, you know, one of the paid sides of, of the application is we're going to baseline you. So you have the ability to do this yourself through the application. Um, so what does that mean, right? The first workout is going to be a little introduction video on, on what we're looking for, kind of how you want to position the camera uh, when you're recording yourself doing this. Um, and then it's going to give you the, the exercises that we're going to want you to do, all the way from mobility. Um, so that's going to be hip mobility, knee mobility, joint mobility. Depending on the sport, um, it's going to change and, and vary a little bit. Um, but that's going to be the first thing that you're going to see um, inside the application once you sign up. From there, once we kind of know where you're at um, from, from an athletic standpoint, from a, a mobility and strength standpoint, then we'll actually start to cater the workout to, you know, where we feel that, we, we want you to improve, um, as well as get your input. So uh, you have the ability to send us, whether that's game film, um, if it's soccer, uh, a swing review, uh, if it's golf, uh, through the platform. And that's when our coaches are going to take a look at it, give you a taste of what it's like to, to work with our team, you know, get feedback, and then from there let you make the decision if this is something you want to continue to do on yourself through the free version or if you want to kind of join on with our team. Um, and go through a more customized process of, of getting you uh, to your optimal performance. Now, let's talk a little bit about that customization through the Skill Masters app. And I know you guys, through the platform, uh, the student athlete or the parent of a younger student athlete, they can receive personalized programs to optimize the, their athletic potential. Uh, and in particular, it even breaks it down by which position you may play on the soccer field or everything like that. Talk a little bit about that customization and why is that so important with what you guys are doing with Skill Masters and the app? 
Absolutely. So uh, specialization is kind of um, the way things are moving inside of the, the, the youth sports world. Um, as you start to progress to that 12-year-old level, um, sounds crazy as it is, but that's really where you know kids are starting to make that decision. This is something I want to commit to, or this is something that I just want to do for fun. So as you get into the specialization, what we look to do is, you know, while while total strength and conditioning are going to be total body movement, um, technical and tactical side of of the workout are going to start to cater towards what you would need to excel at at the position that you're working at. Right. So as an example, if we're we're a center back or, a, you know, a winger in, in soccer, those those drills and workouts, especially on the tactical and, and technical side, are going to start to vary. Um, and, and that's important just to start to give you that edge, right? When, when people are recruiting for athletes, when people are scouting athletes, right, they're looking to fill specific needs for their team. Um, and so as, if we can show with the tests and the metrics that they're looking for for those specific positions and we work on those, and we enhance those, um, then we're going to be in a better position relative to our peers when we're doing that. So that's obviously the, the, the purpose of the uh, specialization as we get into it. Um, and so that's what we look to do again now. That is just on the technical and the tactical side. From the strength and conditioning side, we're going to do total body. So it um, doesn't matter if you're in multiple sports, single sports. You know, really what we look to do from a strength and conditioning standpoint is understand what your schedule is. Where do we need to peak? What parts of the year? And that's where we'll start to build out the strength and conditioning side of it. The other very cool feature with the Skillmasters app is for these athletes, these student athletes, is that personal records. Not only can players, but coaches who may be looking for uh, an athlete to sign to a national letter of intent, they can see the history and the best attempts at lessons given to players to work on. How easy is that to access through the app? Sure, yeah. So, again, that comes with uh, one of our, our paid versions. But what we do if you get into uh, our premier version is we we help in the recruiting assistance standpoint. So um, that's going to create your recruiting profile, which is going to go into our, our recruiting portal. And we do have college. We have about 150 college coaches that access that on an annual basis. Um, and that's anything from NAIA D3 up to Division I um, in the soccer standpoint and the golf standpoint. Um, and so they have the ability to filter out players by how we've given them ratings. So, again, as you come on and you become part of our team, we rate you in the different aspects that we know that they're looking for. Um, and so, you know, as you're doing drills to the video, right, we're, we're, we're ingesting that, that video analysis for them. When, when you join up as the premier, you're going to start sending us game film um, or swing film if it's, if it's in golf. Um, and we'll start to analyze that and put that on there so that they can assess it. So, you know, that's one of the big benefits that we provide. If you look at, and we'll talk about soccer here, uh, what the recruiting cycle typically looks like. It's most people buying their own recruiting package, putting together the video, sending it out to, you know, a list of 500 coaches in hopes that they're, you know, reading that email, watching the video, and then, you know, recruiting for that specific position. We're taking kind of a different approach where the college coaches are coming to our portal. They're putting in, you know, what positions they're looking for, what class they're looking for, what kind of metrics that they're, they're looking for in their types of athletes, whether it's coachability, whether it's physical um, et cetera. And then we give them kind of a curated list of the athletes that are on our platform that they can filter through and easily, you know, like make their own list and then have the ability to, to reach out when it's time, uh, you know, during the NCAA calendar that they can do that uh, through the platform to the athletes that come here. So that's obviously one of the bigger advantages we do as, as we work with some of our, our older athletes on the platform that are looking to take it to the next level. Jacob, we'll wrap it up with this. Another great feature is you know, for those out there listening, those moms and dads, and they're like, well, look, I got multiple youngsters that are in team sports that 
We would love to use this. You guys have a feature through the app, which is the family management thing, which allows parents with multiple kids to manage all of them through one app, while each one of the kids can use their own device to record their work. Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So, you know, one of, one of the things we quickly found when we got into this business was there, you know, most families have multiple kids at different, you know, levels of the game trying to, to improve or within the same club. So we, we, we have that option built in. And when, when you sign up, you have the ability to sign up as either a player or a guardian. Um, and if you sign up as a guardian, that's when you have the ability to create your family account. So you can add children, um, give them their own usernames. And so you can either log in from your, from your phone with a, you know, click of a button once you sign in and you select their profile, or you get, have the ability for them to use that same username on their own device. Um, there's no limitations to which devices usernames can log into. So um, it gives you kind of peace of mind. You have the ability to see what they're doing, what they're working on, you know, going through the application as a parent. But then it also gives them that independence to where they can see what they need to work on um, on themselves, uh, independent of what the other family members or, or children in the family are doing. So. Jacob, appreciate the time as always. I know you're immensely busy. Before I let you go, tell the folks where they can go to get more information about Skill Masters, which is obviously out there boosting players and coaches' development and exposure. Absolutely. So, uh, as always, you can find us on our website. That's skillmasters.io. Um, again, that's skillmasters.io. You can also find us on Instagram and social media, uh, skillmasters underscore inc. Uh, again, that's skillmasters underscore inc. So, uh, we're also, you know, I'll give a little teaser to next week. We'll be starting to introduce some more some more golf stuff next week, so we'll have a new uh, Instagram handle for that. But uh, as it sits right now, Skillmasters underscore Inc. and then is the Instagram account, and then website is Skillmasters.io. Jacob, thank you so much for your time, bud. We'll talk to you next Thursday. All righty, thanks, Rick. It's Jacob Henderson with Skillmasters, new app out there that parents and the student athletes can use to help them with their training regimen, help them with their their health and fitness, and help them get exposure with college coaches. It's a huge deal. Lots of buzz going on, and we'll talk to Jacob Henderson every Thursday about that. Hey, now that you scored yourself an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for the holidays, you can now use it to listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that simple. Ask it to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up here on this Thursday edition of the show, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, man, getting Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon. It's going to be on Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. You can wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the Adult Hydration Station. A party bus is going to follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Grawl Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. LSU men's basketball team started off strong, surprising many of how well they were playing, despite having what essentially is a mid-major roster. First-year head coach Matt McMahon got his guys 
playing up. And then they started off conference play with a win over number nine ranked Arkansas. But since then, it's a little bit of the struggle bus. Lost on the road at Kentucky. Lost against Texas A&M. Then lost to Florida this week. And the schedule is going to get more difficult. Alabama on Saturday, and then a slew of ranked opponents after that, including Auburn, Tennessee, and then Missouri and Alabama again in the next seven games. To give us more insight about the LSU men's basketball team is the man who covers them for the Baton Rouge Advocate, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, Sheldon Mickle. Sheldon, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning, Raymond. I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm doing good, bud. So let's break it down. Uh, we, I, I felt like the team overachieved a little bit early on. I think we're seeing the limitations of a roster that Mac McMahon has that he's trying to piece together. Uh, what about you? What, what do you think's going on with the LSU men's basketball team? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head that, uh, you know, it, it's, he's trying to piece it together. He, he pieced it together in the summer, and now – He's trying to, if you will, limp through the season with what he has. I mean, he has no options. He has no no choices but to go with what he has. And they just have to try to, you know, kind of patch it together and hope not too many people get hurt. And, uh, you know, this schedule you were talking about has, has been brutal. I mean, you look at, okay, Arkansas was number nine when they beat them. Uh, forget the non-conference schedule because he built that schedule like Kim Mulkey did where he didn't know who was going to be on the roster, probably less so than Kim Mulkey did, who, you know, she built her schedule around who she thought she was going to have and then got Angel Reese, who, uh, you know, after after she made the schedule out. And I'm, I'm pretty sure if she would have had Angel Reese before she made the schedule, she might have, you know, plucked a couple of one or two big-name teams and tried to schedule them. But, um, you know, Matt, uh, Matt McMahon had no choice but to – I mean, basically, he scrambled. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but, you know, he had to scramble to put that roster together. And, you know, maybe he took a chance or two on on a couple of kids that, you know, maybe, you know, will pan out a year from now that, that just aren't playing a lot right now, like Terrell Ward, who's a, who was a top 75 player in the country last year, you know, coming out of high school, him. And uh, also Jalen Reed, who, you know, he's played well in spots and in, in, in spurts and, but uh, he's a top 75 player. So he brought in a couple of really good freshmen, and they just haven't, you know, produced like I guess everybody thought they were. They're going to come in and score 15 a game and get eight rebounds a game, and that's just not happening. Um, you know, I, I think they have, you know, have to make their way, you know, through this minefield, uh, if you will, uh, because, you know, okay, so Arkansas, and then you had um, uh, at Kentucky, which – I mean, they played their hearts out there, played their guts out, and, you know, were within a point. It wasn't like they were losing by 25 and cut it to three at the end because Kentucky rested all their guys. I mean, they were in that game, never never trailed by more than eight. And so they, they could have pulled that one off. And then they go to A&M, who is now 4-0 or 3-0. I can't remember. I think they're 4-0. Uh, A&M is now 4-0 in the conference. 3-0, I'm sorry. They didn't play the first date. So they're 3-0. And then Florida is now two and one, uh, two and two after losing their first two, so they're coming on better. But now you look at at Alabama uh, on Saturday, number four Alabama, uh, number twenty one Auburn here on Wednesday night, uh, number five Tennessee here on the following Saturday, 
and then the following uh, Wednesday, Tuesday at Arkansas, who are going to be mad as Hornets after losing over here. So, uh, although they have two, you know, uh, in, they've had injury problems and lost one of their big men for the season. But, um, you know, it, it is going to be tough. Uh, I haven't looked beyond that. I know they play Texas Tech uh, in the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 uh, SEC Challenge at the, the last play in Dayton in January. And then after that, if they could get to February, I mean, there's a few games in there that that's uh, that could be, you know, not could be, but are winnable at, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Uh, they played Missouri twice, who, you know, they started out well, and but they've lost two two in the last three. So they kind of coming back to the pack a little bit. But the schedule is going to ease up a little bit in the second half. Uh, you still got to play Florida again, who, you know, I, I, I wasn't convinced that Florida was that much head and shoulders better than LSU. I think they're quite similar. Uh, they both had to re, you know, rebuild rosters, they had new coaches. I just think Florida just shot the lights out the other night in the second half, and LSU couldn't throw it in the ocean. So that was a difference there, but now you got to play them in Gainesville. So there's a, there's a, there's a trade-off there. But they got to play Georgia, who's, who's played a little better under Mike White this year. they got to play South Carolina, who beat Kentucky the other day. So it's going to be a, a kind of crazy year to get through. And once he gets through that, I mean, i I got to believe you know, he's going to have a whole off season. He's going to have, uh, I imagine they're going to have a bunch of guys hit the transfer portal and he's going to bring in some guys and he's already got two, two freshmen coming in that are signed. So I think he's, he's putting his plan in place and he's building the foundation, not a long way around it. Uh, I just think it's going to take time. I mean, even in the portal, I mean, even then, you know, in the portal era, uh, it's going to take time unless he would have brought in three really superstars like KJ Williams. I mean, KJ, he's doing everything to help this team and to get them, you know, where they need to be. And, and uh, just not every night they don't click on all cylinders for some reason. That's why I asked you, Sheldon, you know, it's, you know, in one game it was uh, lack of rebounding, right? And another game it's turnovers. And another game it may be three-point shooting. Well, what's the one big fundamental thing that if they work on diligently that you think – can help them maybe take some of these losses and turn them into wins moving forward? I think the turnovers are the biggest thing. I mean, he might say defensive rebounding because they've been deficient there. I mean, he starts two 6'10 guys, but those are the only guys. I mean, Derek Fountain averages about five rebounds a game, and then K.J. Williams averages just under eight. But they're not getting a lot of help now. Trey Hannibal and Cam Hayes are both, really good rebounding guards, and he kind of lit a fire under them in mid-December, and they're both getting rebounds like crazy now for a six-foot guy and a six-two guy. So he's kind of getting a little bit out of them, you know, a little bit more production out of them. But once you get past Fountain and, and K.J. Williams, I mean, he's not he wasn't getting a lot of rebounding from Jalen Reed, who's a six-nine at least guy, you know. So now they replaced him with Fountain so in the lineup. But so there was a switch there. But Adam Miller is a six-four guard. He doesn't rebound a lot. He hangs out at the three-point line a lot, uh, and and he takes mid-range jumpers. So he's not going to be in, in you know he's not going to be in uh, position to get a lot of defense uh, you know rebounds. So uh, offensive rebounds anyway. But uh, I think the turnovers. I mean, they had cut him down. I think I had my story this morning. They were averaging thirteen-nine a game through the first. I want to say seven or eight games. They've cut it down to 11-1 in the last six, seven games since Hannibal's played more and K 
Sam Hayes was in the lineup, they've, they've done really well. Justice Hill takes care of the ball. He's just not shooting well. Um, but like the other night, for instance, against Florida, they got beat in second chance points, uh, 20, um, not, not second chance points, points off turnovers. Florida had 23. LSU had five points, 18 points in an 11 point game. So you figure if they're a little bit closer there, you know, they may, you know, may have had a shot. And then the other thing was Florida got 32 free throws, had 32 free throws. LSU had 16. So that was a big disparity there, which is not, it's not been all you know all too common this year. That that's not a big deal. It just happened to be in this game. But I think the points off turnovers in the Florida game were just a, a killer. I mean, and then uh, for instance, the other night, uh, the other day at Texas A&M, they uh, you know they got uh, beaten the paint forty-two to ten. And you know Matt McMahon tries to put you know a, a, a subtle you know little spin on it. You know, and, and usually you know like he he's not trying to beat these guys up. So in his post-game news conference, he's pretty level, level-headed, even-keeled guy. You know, he'll say we played great. You know, give credit to the other team, blah blah blah, uh, which is you know coach speak. Uh, you know, he he's, he he does that quite a bit. But you look you look at it, when they lost forty-two to ten in the paint. He looked at me and he goes, he goes, uh, I, I don't know. He says I I don't know if a team has ever won a game. Beating, uh, losing the points paint by 42 to 10, you know, and so that was a, that was a kind of a telling tale right there that they, you know, they need to work, work on getting in the paint more. Uh, they've been hanging around that three point line. They, and, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, you know, why did they shoot so many threes? And, and I, I kind of had a trend early in the season that they were shooting a lot of threes early in the game. I don't know if it was like a heat check. Let's see what the defense is going to do. But they would shoot four, five, six free, uh, three pointers in the first five, six minutes of the game, and then you get the stats after the game, and they shot 15 for the game. So they kind of go, you know, they try to test out maybe to see if the how that three point shooting is working or whatever. But um, you know, I, I think I think they 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 want to get in the paint. They got two guys who can get there, you know, KJ Williams and, and Derek Fountain, and then they got Cam Hayes and Trey Hannibal. Trey Hannibal especially can penetrate, so they, I'm pretty sure they're working on that here in the last couple of days. Obviously, LSU gets back into action Saturday against Alabama. Are the Crimson Tide the cream of the crop right now in the SEC, in your opinion, Sheldon? You know, I saw I saw the end of that Kentucky game on Saturday, and, and uh, I don't remember who was announcing, but they, they said they, they firmly believe that Alabama is a, a Final Four team. I mean, you look at that team, and you know, I, I I couldn't name you everybody right now, but I know Brandon Miller. That's that's one of the things you have to the name you need to know. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, he's just a moose. I mean, uh, and and they play defense. Nate Oates has been playing good defense since he got there. I mean, you look at he had Herb Jones. Of course, Herb Jones was already there, and we know what he's done in the NBA with the Pelicans. But, you know, they've always been a really good defensive team, and they've kind of turned that up a notch with him. But then you look at it and you go, okay, well, they're a defensive team, but they're not. They're an offensive team. I mean, they put, uh, I want to say, 90 points on Houston when they played them. I mean, they, they can score, you know, they can score a ball. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough, a tough, tough thing. I mean, to go into Tuscaloosa, they haven't played well there, but they're really, really, really good teams. So, 
Uh, I think it's going to be a tough time, you know, although LSU is a very different team. Uh, I just think um, they're going to have to play, uh, I mean, better than their best to, to win this game. And, and if uh, if I'm wrong, I'll say so. But I, I just think Alabama is way too strong at this point. I'll get you out of here with this. A lot of folks were surprised by the news that came out of the football program with Walker Howard transferring. You cover the team. You were part of the advocates' uh, immense football coverage year in, year out. Uh, what do you make of the uh, former number one overall prospect deciding to enter the transfer portal? Well, having having given it a lot of thought, <laughs> it just happened yesterday afternoon. I, and I thought, you know, at the end of the season, I, I thought maybe he'd stick around, you know, until next year and see what happens. I mean, he redshirted, so he's still got four more years. I mean, uh, I think here's – and I didn't write this because I wasn't writing the story last night. I was basically off. But um, – and have no inside knowledge of it, anything. But I, either either they told him, you're not going to get a shot in the spring because nuts is staying, or we've got somebody else in mind that we want to bring in. Now, they do have Ricky Collins who's coming in. So maybe he just saw the writing on the wall and said – uh, you know, with, with Ricky Collins here, it's going to be me and him, and I might wind up fourth. So I might as well, you know, get out of Dodge now, you know, and where he can get with somebody and he'll be he'll be there through the whole winter and spring and summer. And, uh, you know, like I said, no, I have no – this is just speculate, not speculation. I hate speculation. This is just my thoughts that, you know, maybe he just didn't see an opportunity and. You know, if they told him, well, look, Jaden's gone after next year. Nuss is going to still have, I think, three years left. So uh, that'll be his his shot. And uh, I just I just think maybe, like I said, with Ricky Collins coming in, maybe they have their eye on another quarterback. Who knows? You know, they, they, that they, that's out there in the portal. And it's told them, look, I'm coming. You know, and, and they just haven't, you know, we just haven't heard it yet. But I think there's a lot of things that are coming into play there. I, I don't think it's a – disenchantment with anybody uh, as far as I know I mean I mean look he wasn't going to be the he wasn't going to be the starter despite what uh, some people you know maybe maybe thought he was going to get a better chance but uh, I don't think he would have been a starter even if Jaden Daniels wasn't there but um, you know people think he would have got a better chance maybe in the in August and then uh, you know in uh, uh, fall camp so uh, I, I, you just wish him well, and and uh, is a lot of people have kind of I've, I've seen some people have written that he's probably going to wind up at TCU with Jack Besh. I mean that wouldn't surprise me at all. And and look, that, that's a pretty good program they got there. It's not like they won in twelve last year, one in eleven. I mean they got it going now, and and uh, you know he, he could probably fit in a lot better there. Sheldon, well said, brother. Appreciate your time as always. And keep up the tremendous work you're doing there for the Baton Rouge Advocate. Like always, my friend, enjoy your upcoming weekend. Always a pleasure, and I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you down the road somewhere. That's Sheldon Mickles from the Baton Rouge Advocate joining us talking all things LSU. we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Uh, make sure to tune in tonight as the undefeated LSU women's basketball team travels to take on Missouri in SEC action. Pre-game is going to begin at 5.30 and tip is set for 6 o'clock. You can 
Listen to all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Les East from ChristianCitySports.com, Jacob Henderson from Skillmasters, and Sheldon Mickles from the Baton Rouge Advocate. Poll question of the day. We asked you with Howard's transfer, what would have you preferred happen at LSU? Oh, man, this was a foot. Oh, this is one of the tightest poll questions we've had in a long time. 28% of you say Nuss and Howard being the ones to say. 27% say all three, Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, and Walker Howard. 24% say Daniels and Nuss staying, which is actually what happened. And 21% say you would have preferred Jaden Daniels and Walker Howard being the ones to stay in the mix. B-Rad says, all three, of course. Now I want to see the Citrus Bowl plan for 2023. But Nuss starts and JD5 is the change of pace. I know it won't happen, but unless JD5 has a Burrow transformation, I think it would work better. Doug says, be careful what you ask for. Just look at Max Johnson and TJ Finley. That's true, but the flip side of that is, look how it worked out for Joe Burrow when he left Ohio State, perennial national title contender to come to LSU. There's the flip side of that argument as well. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to all who left their comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros.